Hello, I'm Emily Hawthorne, a Stratfor Middle East and North Africa analyst at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview, the world's leading geopolitical intelligence platform. Learn more at worldview.stratfor.com. Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. The 2016 Havana Peace Agreement that led to the demobilization of the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, known as FARC, was supposed to mark the beginning of the end of armed groups in the country. How's that deal faring after five years? Here with details of what happens next is RAIN Global Security Analyst Blake Latham. Welcome back to the podcast, Blake. Thank you for having me again, Emily. I'm really happy to be back. I understand this deal is in danger. Can you share some details? Yes, Emily. So the deal that was signed in 2016 under the administration of President Juan Manuel Santos and the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, better known as FARC, as you said, really was supposed to be the final end of this conflict. However, President uh, President Ivan Duque, who took office uh, shortly after running against the deal, has failed to implement several key um, components of the agreement, particularly the ones uh, promising economic opportunity to the jungle areas where the FARC uh, tended to operate. While the deal did have some successes in reducing the total number of armed fighters in the country, many have also began fleeing relocation camps and returning to conflict. These armed factions that return to conflict have also bolstered the ranks of other guerrilla groups, such as the ELN, the National Liberation Army, and smaller organizations. But armed groups have been part of the security landscape in Colombia since the 60s. What's enabled these groups to remain so operational? Yes, so many of Colombia's armed groups are on the Marxist end of the political spectrum, and after the fall of the Soviet Union, which cut off uh, aid money to Cuba, which was one of the main uh, funders and supporters of these groups, many of them went away. However, Colombia's armed groups have access to, obviously, narcotics trafficking, but in addition, major illegal mining operations, which has enabled them to continue operations. While that ideological aspect of the conflict has certainly been reduced in recent years, with these groups more or less focusing on their drug running and their illegal mining operations, those factors do come into play as sort of how they these groups define themselves, and in addition result in a conservative leader like Ivan Duque being opposed to them not only on a criminal ground of what they're doing, but also as opposed to them as ideological enemies. So, in effect, these groups have remained in Colombia simply because they can have independent funding outside of really requiring a client state. I understand that some of these groups have found safe havens across the border in Venezuela. So could they actually launch attacks from there into populated areas? I'm thinking maybe Medellin or Bogota? Yes. So these groups do have a limited capacity to be able to strike in cities such as Medellin and Bogota. Um, For example, there was a 2019 bombing of a police barracks in Bogota that was committed by the National Liberation Army, the ELN. However, this was a special circumstance. It was actually a suicide bombing that was conducted by a a veteran ELN member and bomb maker who had actually been diagnosed with terminal cancer, which was sort of his main motivating reason for doing such a bombing like this. Most of these groups, um, they operate out of safe havens in Venezuela where their main smuggling routes for narcotics and for, you know, illicitly mined goods. So while these groups certainly could potentially reach into the cities, they are more likely to concentrate activities and attacks along that border 
Number one, because that will only intensify the, the response by the Colombian government, which couldn't disrupt their fundraising efforts. And simply put, conducting operations that far away from their safe havens is a bit risky. These sort of safe havens kind of developed uh, due to the fact that uh, President Nicolas Maduro of Venezuela, who is an ideological compatriot of many of these groups, does need hard, their hard currency. So he's therefore let them operate as sort of a way to get around you know, the economic sanctions that are surrounding his regime in order so he can get funding for his um, administration. So talk to me about Colombian President Duque. Is it possible to keep his promise to rid the country of armed groups by next August? So yes, Duque has pledged to end this group, uh, end these armed groups in the country by the end of his administration in that aforementioned date. Um, it's very unlikely that he will be able to completely eliminate the armed groups, just given the fact that they've been so pervasive throughout the country. They have safe havens in other places, and simply due to the massive amounts of money that these groups do have. However, it is very likely that Duque will step up offensives against these groups to try to meet this self-imposed deadline and you know, bolster whomever he decides that he would prefer to be a successor in the upcoming elections that will occur in May. Whomever wins the election, be it a candidate who is maybe more in favor of reopening negotiations with these armed groups, or if it's someone that is on Duque's ideological lines who prefers to go after them, will likely really dictate where these offensives will be going in the future, just simply due to the fact that they will face sort of various limitations on what they can actually do during the transition period into a new administration. Blake Latham is a global security analyst with RAIN. You can sign up for RAIN Worldview and get access to the entire global geopolitical forecast for 2022. Visit stratfor.com for a special subscription price. That's stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.